Welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 7, Episode 10, Split Decision. The original air date for this episode was December 2nd, 1991. It was directed by Michael Caffey, and it was written by David Rich, who uh, wrote Jack in the Box way back in the day. Oh, geez. Um, I think at the time we speculated that he was related to John Rich, the uh, executive producer of the show. Right, right. Um, I have no further information as to whether that's true, although he was interviewed by the MacGyver Project, um, so we'll put a link to that interview in the show notes. Um, So why don't we describe this episode in brief? Uh, in this episode, we get the return of Earl Dent. Right. Uh, he comes back into MacGyver's life once again in need of help. Uh, apparently, yeah. he needs another job and another character witness. Right. And it's the exact time, same as High Control. Yeah. But instead uh, of wanting yeah. to be a biker, he wants to be a boxer. Yeah. Uh, still the bees. He's still working his way up through the bees. Yeah. Um, but also to help reconnect with his estranged daughter. Right. Um, so we start the episode, I'm pretty sure on the Paramount lot, where a Jeep is parking under a stairwell. Yeah. It's, uh, it looks exactly like the studio lot. Oh, well, there's, there's, there's some stuff a little bit before that. Oh, right. At the very beginning, it's MacGyver coming yeah. home to his apartment. Right. And he, he, he's finding that there's music playing already somewhere in the apartment. Right. And, and, and is the door open? Because... It, it's, it's open partially. Um, okay. and, and it's one of those... There's a there's a you probably know the term better for filming purposes when there's music over a scene versus music in a scene. Right. Synchronous uh, versus asynchronous. Yeah. So yeah. like at first it just seems like we're just because we're hearing music as MacGyver's pulling in that he would never definitely be not be able to hear. Yeah. But it, it transitions into his apartment and then he switches the overall Radio audio off, off yeah. which turns off all the music. Yeah. So he does that and then starts calling around his apartment thinking someone's there. Yeah. Um, and Meanwhile, then, Earl Dent returns to the house with yeah. like the newspaper or something. It looks like he just went outside to grab something and he's confused right. about why the music turned off. Um, but his entrance is very reminiscent to like uh, a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Because like he kind of comes in and pauses and then like I'm waiting for like yeah. a woo and like applause to go off while he enters. I'm sure that was happening in living rooms across America. Yeah. Uh, and he turns the music back on and then walks into another room and MacGyver just kind of like pops out. Like, I know I just turned that off. Uh, yeah. And, and they do this. Luckily, they luckily they don't do the rule of threes on this. They just do right, this. Right, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, don't do this another time. I can't yeah. handle this anymore. But he, he goes back and he closes the door again, turns off the music again. Yeah. And then when he turns around, he sees Dent across yeah. the room sitting on a chair. And uh, Dent, uh, you know, is saying that he once again needs MacGyver's help and that uh, he wants to get back into what he did before, which was boxing. Right. And he claims that he was the fifth ranked heavyweight uh, of the world. Fifth like, or so, tenth? I think he said fifth. Oh, maybe. Uh, but he also needs MacGyver, again, to be a character witness for another uh, State Department organization. Yeah. Uh, uh, when we left him, he had just gotten a full-time job, probably salaried government cush job, yeah. as like an enforcer for a parole officer. Yeah. And I, uh, I, apparently he just threw that away so that he could be a boxer. Right. 
Um, I don't know what we don't. Well, we never talk about it. It's never yeah. brought up. MacGyver never goes. What happened to? Didn't I just see you and everything was fine? Yeah. Um, Didn't we already fix your life? Yeah. Um, also, you know, I'm just realizing that. Uh, God, I never really thought about it because uh, when MacGyver was in Vancouver, like obviously, like when they were filming up there, it was clearly like Canada. There was snow on the ground, yeah. but when he's still supposed to be at home, there's snow on the ground. And, and yeah, it's still supposed true. to be, like, kind of L.A. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that just now with the chicken restaurant episode where there was tons of snow on the ground. I was like, is yeah, this supposed like, to be L.A.? Wait a minute. Yeah, this isn't, it doesn't snow here. What? Uh, so I just, I don't know why that came so late in my brain. Uh, <laughs> I'll edit that into the Out in the Cold episode. Yeah, okay. Uh, so MacGyver, of course, begrudgingly agrees because uh, Dent gives him puppy dog eyes. Right. And he's actually really funny in this episode. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think he's always been good. Yeah. Um, even, even in the goofy episode where he was introduced. Yeah. Uh, uh, but. I think it's a subtler performance here. Like, there he was just kind of, like, clowning around. But here yeah. he's, like, kind of playing a real person, but just adding enough character to it that it's actually kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So MacGyver and Dent head down to uh, the Department of Children's Welfare. Right. We're sitting outside. Uh, this is where you were talking about where he, they yeah, pull into. Yeah, this is, I'm pretty sure, the Paramount lot. Or yeah. at least a studio lot. Um, they pull in, and there's a young girl sitting on a bench. Uh, I believe she's reading a book or a magazine. Right. Um, and uh, Dent immediately introduces MacGyver to her as his daughter, Veronica. Yeah. Uh, but she prefers Ronnie. Right. Because Ronnie sounds cooler or doesn't sound as uh, fancy or formal as Veronica. And according to her, Ronnie gets more respect, which yeah. I'm sure can't be true because as this new Ronnie character, she's she's breaking all the rules and yeah. people tend not to respect the people who do that. So <laughs> Well, Ronnie like doesn't play by the by the rules of the man. Right. But Dick Buck is, or Earl Dent is very upset about the fact that she's changed her name because Veronica is his mother's name. Mm-hmm. But Ronnie is just a nickname for Veronica. It's not yeah. like she legally changed her name to something else. Yeah, yeah. She said she changed it. It's like, well, you don't really have the authority to do that at this point. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, like, I'm fine with the name Ronnie as a short yeah. for Veronica. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, uh, I don't know what else you could. Nika, maybe. No. Yeah. Eh, no. Yeah. I like that. Out of here. Too close to Zika. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Veronica is played by uh, Sarah Koskoff. Right. Uh, this is her first role. Is it? Was it? Was that? Was this her first role? Yeah, this is her um, first acting role on IMDb. Um, I didn't recognize her, but when I was looking her up, I noticed that she played a repeating character on Sequest. Oh, okay. DSV, um, which would be filmed two years later. Oh, that's uh, funny. I'm, I'm getting into the habit now of like, oh my gosh, these, these, this show is now paralleling other shows that I watched. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. It was an interesting episode because it was like all about hackers, uh, like stealing government money to use for their own purposes, like for humanitarian purposes, but they were still stealing. So they were uh, like Robin Hoods. Yeah. Um, but I also saw that she wrote a, a film in 2012 called uh, Hello, I Must Be Going. Right. With uh, Melanie Linsky or? Yeah. Uh, and, and Blythe Danner. I also yeah. saw was in there. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Um, and uh, so I was like, oh, wow, that's that's. That's interesting that that she yeah she's screenwriting now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she also had a, a small part in that thing you do, um, 
she played a character called Chrissy Tompkins, mm. who doesn't have a huge part in the movie, but she actually makes it into the trailer because there's a scene where she and I think Steve Zahn are standing off to the side of the stage, and yeah. she's like just sort of staring at the lead singer like she's obsessed with him. And then she, uh, Steve Zahn says, like, oh, yeah, he's got a really pretty girlfriend over there. And then she's like, oh. And then he's like, you know, I'm single. And she's like, what about the bass player? Like, she's not, not interested in Steve Zahn. The Oneaters? Yeah, the Oneaters. As in, I wonder what happened to the Oneaters. That's a great movie. Yeah, I really like that movie a lot. I think uh, that's one of the first ones that Tom Hanks directed, right? Yeah, written and directed. Was that his first? Yeah, so uh, that thing you do was was his first writing credit, but his first directing credit was uh, an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and uh, it's called None But the Lonely Heart. Um, I'm not familiar with it, but it got it has uh, Treat Williams. Uh, Tom Hanks is in it. Um, yeah. It's also got Henry Gibson and Sugar Ray Leonard. Nice. Um, that's so, a cool cast. Yeah, this, I'll have to check this one out. I think the only... Uh, the only episode of that show that I remember the title of the segment was called What's Cooking? Because it seemed like every time I turned it on, it was that episode. Oh, but yeah. It was about this like little restaurant that started serving people. And uh, every time someone caught on, they would kill that person and serve that person. <laughs> well, that's what you got to do. Yeah. But it was, that's such a great show. I miss that show. Uh, I think they're bringing it back, right? Um, I don't know. I mean... Uh... Oh, you know what? I think M. Night Shyamalan's bringing it back. Oh... No, that, in a good way. Bad. They're they're crowdsourcing the scripts and stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I then... need to find the story, but I mean, because he's he's good with twists. So, yeah. And that's kind of what that show was about. It was like a horror story with a twist. So. And, uh, and, and everything John about Cassi- Wayward Pines has been pretty good. And uh, John Cassier is still around. I mean, he just did the voice of Elliot in Pete's Dragon. Oh, did he? Yeah. Which which was really weird to hear the Crypt Keeper <laughs> from Elliot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, which is kind of, I mean, obviously it's just like sounds. It's like a Frank Welker-esque kind of role. I mean, you just yeah. kind of make, make sound effects and things like that. But uh, That is a Frank Welker job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just get Welker for it. Yeah. Or, or uh, as we, like as Bill Hader is a BB-8, which I think is also awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, it's like a combination of uh, Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz somehow. I don't know how both of them did it, mm. but apparently they were both invited in to help figure out the voice of the character yeah it's but it's such a it's such a thing hey i think i want bill Hader to do it yeah uh i think a lot of the the force awakens was just people coming up to jj hey can i be in your movie yeah (laughs) we we all know that that's at least how greg grunberg showed up yeah oh well yeah yeah uh no he just gets he's in everything (laughs) um uh so uh, back to MacGyver real quick. <laughs> yes, just <laughs> well, for a quick stint into MacGyver land, and then we'll get back to our nonsense. Uh, uh, Ronnie really doesn't want anything to do with Earl. Uh, in fact, that's how she refers to him. She doesn't call him Dad throughout the yeah. whole episode. Uh, she just calls him Earl. And so MacGyver and Dent have to go in to talk with the wel- welfare official, basically right. to prove that Dent is a capable father, it's all the same. It's the same conversation, really, that he was having with the with Miss Montana. Yeah. It, the only difference is that she doesn't follow him out of the office. Yeah. Um, but it's the basic things like I don't think you can provide. You're a criminal. You don't have a place to live. 
Um, we don't know where he's been living, apparently. Uh, yeah. uh, so, but he says, don't worry, MacGyver's agreed to cover all of that stuff for me. Yeah, and for the second time, because this is the same thing that happened in the last interview. Is yeah, that exactly. He tricked MacGyver into letting him stay at his house. Yeah, hello. I do like her response. Was like, you're a very good friend, Mr. MacGyver. Yeah. Thanks. That's, af that's <laughs> after he, he agrees that he's going to train him to box, even though he already told Earl that he does not want to train anyone to box, that he, he thinks boxing is a terrible sport. Yeah. Um, so on the way out, uh, they, kind of, they find uh, Veronica uh, banging on a vending machine, which somehow jars like some of the candy bars loose that she can, doesn't have to pay for. Yeah. Uh, and they, but they all just head over to uh, Max's place. I mean, it, there doesn't seem to be any resistance, or maybe Veronica can't resist, or no, she can't, because she yeah. doesn't try to run. She doesn't try to do anything at this point. Yeah, she kind of goes with the flow. Yeah. Sometimes she's like totally against him, and other times she's like, "Oh, you, you know, you're not a bad guy." Like, yeah, um, kind of changes her opinion as as they go along. Yeah. Uh, so at the at Max's place, Max says he's gonna turn his garage into a gym, even though he shares it with two other people um, yeah. uh, w who are not present, apparently, anymore. <laughs> yeah, we just haven't seen them in a while. Um, but uh, so he's going to get to work on some, building some uh, exercise equipment, which I'm surprised that MacGyver doesn't have at least some, yeah. some like weightlifting or, or small amounts of things. But they also live like two blocks from Muscle Beach where there's all this That's free true. weightlifting equipment. Like, I don't understand yeah. why they need to build a gym here. Um, I also like, though, when uh, MacGyver, because we kind of skipped over, but we're coming back to it, but when he says that uh, boxing is a barbaric sport, <laughs> Butkus uh, says, well, some people say the same thing about hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I still have hope for hockey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dent and Veronica decide to head to the grocery store to get some supplies, since yeah. Dent had previously eaten MacGyver out of house and home. Yeah, uh, and so while they're gone, MacGyver has to build a gym in the garage right. because apparently Earl Dent can't go to any gym in the whole world because he's Banned. burned so many bridges. Yeah, like all the gyms, even the new ones that just opened yeah. up. Uh, and uh, so while they're at the grocery store, uh, Veronica and Dent are just kind of like goofing around in the parking lot throwing a football around. Uh, yeah. And Dent accidentally like bumps into somebody's car. Yeah. And the guy gets really, really irate about it yeah. um, and starts yelling at him. And then Veronica kind of comes to Dent's defense by throwing, pushing a cart into it. Yeah, that, she tries to push a cart at the car, yeah. and then he catches it. And then she's all, oh, wow, you better thank this guy for, for keeping your car safe. Uh, and she actually wants Dent to start a fight with this guy. She, yeah. she wants him to just knock this guy out because he clearly deserves it. Yeah. Not that he does. It's just he's he's overreacting to an incident, but he's not totally in the wrong. I mean, you shouldn't be goofing around in a parking lot anyway. Yeah, but it didn't look like she was pushing the cart so that he would have an excuse to say, look, I saved your car. It looked like she was just pissed off at the guy and wanted to wreck his car. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of subtly uh, calls him uh, a wimp for not taking out this guy. Yeah. Um, but she also, like, then reveals that she stole some uh, wrestling cards. Some, like, right. I, like, collectible cards, like baseball cards, but for wrestlers. Um, which will, it's not we, clear if she's, like, a fan of wrestling because her dad is a boxer. Yeah. Or if it's just, like, a coincidental thing and she likes the other side of that profession. Uh, but we will get a little bit more of that as uh, once they actually go to another location later on. 
Right. And for a lot of the show, she's wearing a hat that says, I think it says WrestlePhobia. Yeah. I, I, it was something like, I kept, it, it's, it's, some of the times the quality on these TV, when you pause it, it actually gets worse. Yeah. And you actually have to just keep rewinding it and watch it move in order to try to yeah. catch a glimpse of the letters. I think it says WrestlePhobia because it's just supposed to call to mind WrestleMania without actually copyright infringing. Because I was having the same problem in the garage because MacGyver says, he, he, they said, oh, you got a lot of junk here. And he says, yeah, it's a lot of memories. And he has like a life preserver from a ship and a sign that says like a, 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 a like there's like a core meltdown or oh, really? a, a, like to, to evacuate the plant. And I was like, are these things supposed to be from previous Episodes? MacGyver adventures? Is that like Flames In and Countdown? Yeah, I was like, but I couldn't, I couldn't read the letters on the, the life prefer- preserver. Uh, no matter what I did, uh, but yeah, it was just like it was like weird little things with the text. That would have been a good name for Countdown, Life Preserver. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that. Countdown's probably catchier for yeah for reeling in the viewers. It's a vacuum, Mac. It's a vacuum. It's a vacuum. Uh, thank you, Mister X. <laughs> uh, so. When they return to MacGyver's place, he's already got quite a bit of stuff set up. Yeah. Um, he's got like a like a force, uh, uh, punch force kind of fluid machine where you punch it's, it. Yeah, it's almost like one of those carnival things where you swing down a hammer and the the thing goes up to yeah. the bell. But it's like, but it's on with fluid. So as yeah. you punch this thing, like the, the fluid rises. And he's got yeah, a... It's kind of like the test your might thing from, uh, was that uh, Street Fighter? It would be like test your might. And yeah. You have to punch as hard as you can, and the thing would yeah. go up. Or you, or you completely break a car. Or yeah, you <laughs> electrocute a car until it explodes. <laughs> it was always easiest to do it with him or with uh, Honda, Honda because he yeah. just does the yeah yeah. Uh, and then you have the guy goes, oh my car. And he also has MacGyver's also built like this like three level boxing glove puncher kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it swings like three catcher's mitts out at mm. him and at varying heights and the point is to just punch them back in place. Yeah. Uh, and so Dent and Veronica like get to work right away and uh, Veronica's actually having a good time with him yeah. like like testing out the equipment and there's like a genuine moment. But at this time, a car pulls up and two gentlemen exit and just walk right into the garage. Yeah. This there's happens a, multiple times in this episode and you think could be solved by just closing the garage door. I think that his, like, loopy, hippie landlord has some rule about not locking any doors. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. Because it's the neighborhood, you know? Yeah. You, you get used to it. But when uh, when she's playing with the machine at first, like, she tells him, oh, you got to straighten your tie. And then when he, like, goes to adjust it, she smacks him in the face with yeah. the top glove on the three glove machine uh-huh. and then he's he figures out how it works and he's punching at it for a while and then she swings one down and it like nails him in the crotch yeah. and he makes this funny like oh, oh. <laughs> like, it just cracked me up it's like right before the camera cuts yeah but it's just like a really funny sound came out of him <laughs> uh, but yeah then these two guys show up mm-hmm. to shake him down one of them uh, we've had a couple times before uh, yeah. Herb Edelman, who's playing Bart Riggins. Yeah, uh, most recently he was uh, Gorman in uh, Faith, Hope, and Charity. Yeah. And uh, before that he was Tubbs in The Lost Amadeus. Mm-hmm. 
He might as well be playing the same character from both of those episodes. Yeah, it, it's there's almost no difference. Yeah. Uh, but the other gentleman uh, is right. uh, Bubba Smith, a.k.a. Yeah, Bailey. Hightower. Yeah, and he was in the first five Police Academy movies. Yeah, and uh, which were all before 1990, which is oh, so that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I, I thought it seems like those movies, like, they cranked out that many in just, like, Yeah, that's, like, every years. year, every other year. Yeah. It's, like, early James Bond speed. Uh, basically, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of introducing themselves casually to Veronica as their old, his old manager. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Dent asks Veronica to leave, and it gets a little heated when he's, she doesn't want to, and he says, go upstairs now. Yeah. Um, and so she gets upset and, and just leaves the room. Uh, and it turns out the reason that Riggins and Bailey are there is to make sure Dent follows through with the fight that he's about to do and goes down in the eighth. Right. He's going to take a dive. And that's yeah. where he's going to get this money that he needs for Veronica. The eighth is a big ask, I think. Yeah. It seems like asking someone to go eight rounds against another champion mm-hmm. before you take your dive. Like, I feel like the chances are pretty good that you're going to go down before that. Yeah. Like I feel like if you want to, if you want to pay someone to take a dive, they, you should do it earlier than that. Yeah, in the third or something. Yeah, because otherwise your money's not as safe because this person could get knocked out in like the seventh, and then you're screwed. Unless they're just so familiar with Dent and Crazy Eddie, the guy he'll be fighting. Dent could take this guy no problem. So yeah. he, this guy can wail on Dent all day. It's not gonna do any problems. But when uh, when Marcellus Wallace pays Butch to go down, he's going down in the fifth. Yeah. Because he's not trying to waste any time. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember when uh, the pikey was supposed to go down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Don't kind of the same the same out. move in both of those. <laughs> I love that. This, the first punch it just knocks the guy right out. Yeah. He like, just goes yeah. like underwater. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Is he going to get up? <laughs> uh, so uh, when MacGyver comes down... Uh, to ask about who these guys were, um, you know, he just kind of shrugs it off. But they both ask about where Veronica is because she's vanished. Yeah. Uh, so they both take separate cars. And honestly, MacGyver is very liberal w- with his allowance for Dent to use his car. Yeah. Because every time Dent, without asking, just gets in MacGyver's Jeep and starts driving it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Only once does he get express permission from MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, so they both they both get out, and once again, MacGyver MacGyver's using his motorcycle quite a bit in this season, and uh, so that's the end of Act One. I, I've noticed a lot, a couple of these episodes, the Act Ones are very long. Yeah. Um, the, it seems like before they were very short, um, but I think a lot of the times because we had a cold open, but it seems lately like the, the Act Ones have been like like almost like twenty minutes solid of show. Before yeah. the first commercial break, and then subsequent acts are very short. Well, you know what was funny is um, for the second half of Goodnight MacGyver, when I was scrolling through the episode to grab the screenshot for the blog post, uh-huh. the um, the first like seven minutes of the episode were the recap of the first part. Yeah, I was like, wow, this goes on for so much longer than I realized. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, one-fifth of the episode was the recap of the previous episode, which and just goes to show that that could have really easily been one episode. Yeah, it, so little happened in that first episode. Mm-hmm. So MacGyver is the first to find Veronica waiting at a bus stop, and he just kind of takes a moment to have a heart-to-heart with her. But MacGyver brings up a, a, an upsetting moment 
he talks about his grand. There's a time that his grandfather told him to get lost. Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't sound like something Harry would ever say. I think there's one one reason that he would have said something like that, which is kind of the same reason that he disappeared for a really long time, oh. which is that he might have been sad about his wife or something. Mm. And just wanted to be by himself, and he didn't want the kid to see him like that, and so yeah. he told him to go find something to do, or something like that. It seems like the only reason that that he would say something like that. Yeah, I don't it, think he would do it in anger. I think it would just be like, "Get out of here, kid. You don't need to see this." Yeah, I mean, I was like, I was like, "Oh man, I it it it, 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 it like it, it hung with me like that yeah. moment like with Harry." Because um, then MacGyver explains like. I realized later why he told me to leave, which was that he wanted to protect me from, from himself, yeah. to, from seeing him that way. That's that's a good theory. It's better than better than him just being angry in yeah. my head. I went. Yeah, I went one the time, other. my my grandpa Harry threw a beer bottle at me. <laughs> uh, so that's when uh, Dent arrives and kind of you know he's upset and. Uh, Veronica immediately switches back to anger mode. Because he's shouting at her. Yeah. And and she always ups the ante when he yell, yells at her. She, yeah. she yells back. Um, she doesn't believe that there's even a fight. Yeah. And so Dent takes both her and MacGyver to the arena. I don't know um, what reason she has to doubt that there's even a fight that's going to happen. Because yeah. why would he be training? I, I guess just, and where's he going to get this money that he's talking about getting? Yeah. Uh, so they head down to the arena, and yes, there is a build-up that has all the fights that are going to be taking place. But Dent is not the uh, the main event, right? Uh, and he, he's already made it clear to MacGyver that he's getting twenty five thousand dollars to yeah. win. And so, basically, the implication is that the people that are headlining this fight must be getting like a hundred thousand dollars, right? Right. Uh, which doesn't seem likely in this small venue. Yeah. Uh, but as they approach, uh, Veronica spots a famous wrestler to her named Herman the German. Right, played uh, by Donald Gibb. Yeah. Nerds! That's always the first line I think of. <laughs> he was, uh, of course, Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds 1 and 2. In the second movie, he's one of the nerds. He's on, he switches over to the yeah. the light side. and then. Uh, but he's also Ray Jackson in Blood Sports 1 and 2. And he plays Clyde in Midnight Run, which I've brought up on the show before. Yeah. Which is like a mad, 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 mad world type thing with a bunch of different teams. That one of them has Eddie Deason on the team, and one of them has Wait. has um, Donald that, Gibb it, as Clyde. You mean Cannibal Run? No, it's called it's called Midnight Run. But it's not the Midnight Run with Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. Oh, sorry, not Midnight Run. Midnight Madness. Okay, Midnight Madness. I, was like, I, was I like, wrote Midnight Run in my notes, but it's called Midnight Madness. Okay, okay. I was like, I was like, I know Midnight Run pretty well. No, and... there's two different Midnight Runs <laughs> for no reason. No, there could have been. Because um, oh, you know what? Because I always see, um, I always see a TV series called The Naked Truth in the early '90s, uh, and, and think I always it's think Naked it's the, the Tia Leone, The Naked Truth. Oh, there were two shows called The Naked Truth? Yeah, in, in one in the early 90s and one later in the mid-90s. Hmm. Um, and so whenever I see someone, oh, they were on The Naked Truth. I watched that show. I love Tia Leone. Um, but it was never that show. It was always the other one. That's funny because, yeah, I always I always think it's the Tia Leone one, too. I didn't even know there was another one. Yeah. You know uh, what I, I noticed when I was re-watching um, Bad Boys recently? Was that Michael Bay must very clearly have a type 
because Taya Leone in the first Bad Boys looks exactly like Megan Fox in the Transformers movies. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Bad Boys, so good. <laughs> They're getting the third one. They better. Soon I mean, enough. Michael Bay, is Michael Bay directing? No. Oh. It's uh, the guy that did Smoke and Aces. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Stylistically good. It could all still fall apart, too. It could be like Beetlejuice 2, just like they keep announcing it like it's a sure thing, and then yeah. everybody backs out at the last second. Uh, inside the arena, uh, they go and check it out because Veronica wants to go in, uh, but but Dent is kind of like, oh, I'm not really welcome here, you know, uh, yeah. until the fight. Uh, so they're immediately descended on by the, uh, I guess, the owner of the arena. Well, we uh, kind of dropped the point about uh, Ogre being outside. Yeah. But she, she's like a huge fan of ogres, but he's, he's also kind of listening into their conversation because mm-hmm. he hears what they're talking about and he says something like, oh yeah, you're telling me old man or something like that about yeah. how much money he's supposed to get for the fight. But uh, she has him sign one of her wrestling cards, I guess one of the ones that she stole. I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah. Because Dent went back in and paid for them. So right, they yeah. are now technically hers. Right. And now they're worth even more. Yeah. So it's a good thing she stole them. Uh, so, uh, they are immediately descended upon by the, uh, owner of the arena, a man named Stinson, who knows Dent right. and basically is calling him old and tells him to get lost, mm-hmm. um, before crazy Eddie Jackson sees him and there's a, a fight before the yeah. fight. He's like, I just wanted to show the girl the gym. And he's like, oh, well, allow me to show you and her the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was hoping that, um, like... He, he's doing all right at first, this Stinson guy, uh, played yeah. by F. William Parker. But when uh, Crazy Eddie does see him and they get into an altercation and uh, Stinson starts going, no, somebody call the police, call the manager, call someone. They're fighting for free. Like, They're fighting for free. I can't take it. <laughs> it's it's a really, really terrible performance. Yeah. Um, um, this, this actor, though, F. William Parker, has a number of uh, interesting credits. Um, he played a character called Paul Davro in the horror film Jack Frost, which we brought up pretty recently. Yeah. Um, he was Kingsley's dad in Iron Eagle. Yeah, I, I saw that credit, and I was like, I couldn't remember who Kingsley was. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, they're I all kids either. in the movie, but... Uh... Um, he also played a sergeant in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh. Which might be where, like, maybe he connected with Donald Gibb through that, and it had something to do with both of them being in this. Right, right, right. But then he was also in, uh, he played the hostage in Hard Eight, which is the first Paul Thomas Anderson film. Right. Have you seen that? I have. I don't remember yeah. a hostage, though. I think it's the guy that that uh, she's trying to prostitute herself, and then her and John C. Riley lock this guy to a bed in a hotel room, uh-huh. and then it's it's up to up to the main character to fix their, their problem. Right, right, right. I just, my favorite part of that, that whole scene is the, the guy wakes up and he says he's going to call the police and he's going to get them all in trouble. And, uh, John C. Riley just runs up and punches him and knocks him <laughs> out. And then he just, he just turns and looks at Philip Baker Hall and he's like, right. <laughs> like he just wants some kind of confirmation that he did the right thing. And it's like, no, that was a, totally the wrong thing to do. <laughs> Uh, Phil Baker Hall, he is he's always good. Yeah, that's a great movie too. Yeah, it is. Um, I love I love as small a part as it is, but Philip Seymour Hoffman's very tiny role. 
in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the really sweaty, crazy gambler. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, hey, old man. Yeah, you're all right, old man. Uh, I need to watch more. I need to just, like, start going and run, run back through all Paul Thomas Anderson's movies again. They just, um, they just greenlit his new one. Um, Focus Features is going to be releasing it. It's him and Daniel Day-Lewis again. Okay. So I have no idea what the story is, but right. I'm already excited. Yeah. Did you like Inherent Vice? Uh, no. Yeah. I, um, I felt like I don't know a... if it's because it was adapted from a story instead of an original Paul Thomas Anderson work, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't really care yeah. for it. Just too many false endings for my taste. Mm-hmm. So, um, as Dent and Crazy AD start to get into it, uh, they, you know, their, their fight is broken up. MacGyver tries to step in, and he gets a, a sock to the nose for, yeah. his, for his trouble. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, while he's down, he picks up, like, a tiny little weight and throws it at the bell, like, to call the fight. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, that kind of distracts everyone enough to get Stinson to get everybody to separate and get out. Yeah. Um, so, uh... But on the way out, Veronica steals some of the someone's boxing gloves. Uh, we don't know whose, but it's just someone's who's in a bag that's lying around there. Right. And I thought this was going to play into like a bigger thing later, and then it totally doesn't. Yeah. Um, but then th- there's a really weird scene where Dent is tucking her in. Um, yeah. It's like she's she seems too old for this. Yeah. yeah. I was like, if he kisses her goodnight, then I'm I'm out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm done. I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but luckily, it's just like he just tucks her in. Yeah. And uh, which, uh, again, assuming this is probably MacGyver's bed. Yeah. Because I mean, that makes sense. MacGyver's down on a couch somewhere. Yeah. Sharing a couch with Dent downstairs. Yeah, exactly. Like this is, I don't think this is a multi-bedroom place, but. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver is mixing uh, some. Uh, sodium thiosulfate which we had uh, mentioned in fraternity of thieves is photo right. fixer yeah um which they used to cure cure um, the toxin uh, of uh yeah it was uh, a it was not arsenic but it was a uh, uh, cyanide cyanide yeah yeah almond smell yeah um but apparently when you mix sodium thiosulfate bleh, with, water, with water it gets very very cold very very quickly yeah, but I assume that that's a temporary chemical reaction, and that he shouldn't already be mixing these things. Correct. I think I think he's just doing it to, as an example. To, yeah, to show him how it works. Yeah. So uh, MacGyver then just takes a moment and says, "Dent, you're lying to me about something." Like, right. There's no well, way. I think we skipped a detail during the, his argument with um, with Crazy Eddie. With Crazy Eddie, that Eddie mentions before they they break out in a fight. That uh, he doesn't even care about the four thousand dollars that yeah. he'll, he'll he'll just ha- have the fight right now, and that MacGyver was already suspicious when he saw that that Dent wasn't headlining, and now right. that sealed the deal for him. Yeah, so so now clearly he's he won't get twenty five thousand dollars unless he's been made a deal with someone to take a dive. Yeah, um, and uh, so Dent kind of half admits to it. Um, and so Mac kind of really pushes him saying like, I thought you were supposed to be teaching Veronica about right and wrong. And, and like, he, he even kind of says, maybe it's good for the state to take your kid away. Yeah. Ooh. If you're it, like, you were, you're so critical of her stealing a couple of wrestling cards and yet 
you're gonna you're basically stealing twenty five thousand dollars from people who thought they were gambling on a legitimate fight. Right. Uh, so this hurts Dent pretty down to his core, mm-hmm. and Dent just I, you know he may have even stayed up all night. We don't know because we just find him downstairs in the in the basement, kind of sitting by himself. Yeah. And that's when Veronica comes to confess that she had stolen the boxing gloves. Right. But Dent just completely ignores her and just starts uh, training. Yeah, he just starts wailing on the exercise equipment. Yeah. Um, but then we cut to MacGyver's Jeep driving down the street. So I assumed it was MacGyver because yeah. why would we cut from Dent exercising to Dent driving? Yeah. Like it would have made it. Here we are doing exactly that. Yeah, it would have made more sense if Dent ignored her and then just got in the Jeep and left. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I was even typing my notes. MacGyver is driving somewhere. Like, I was like, oh, wait, this isn't even MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Dent heads down to the, uh, the bookie office where Bart Riggins runs his operation out of a machine shop. Yeah. And uh, he just he came there to tell him that he's out. Yeah. He, he doesn't want any part of it. Um, and they threaten him, but he's like, I don't care. Um, which he should, if he cares about Veronica, he should still care yeah. about himself. He's like, you know, your daughter's going to be an orphan. He's like, for the first time, I don't care about me. And he's he's like, like, no, I said your daughter. Your daughter. I said your daughter yeah. is going to be an orphan. That, that, that's Do you the care about word. her? That was the point I was making. Well, she, I guess she'll have MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, cause that, this is what MacGyver does. Yeah. Um, so uh, once Dent leaves, Riggins tells Bailey, like, uh, you know, Bailey's like, Do you want me to rough him up? He's like, no, no, no. I need him to be able to fight to look legitimate. So, why don't you go kidnap his daughter? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which they could have done from the beginning and not even paid him. Yeah. So, Dent comes back and tells MacGyver that he he agreed not to take the dive. Right. So, now we get a classic 80s, but in the 90s, training montage. Yeah. Uh, which I was actually really surprised to see. Uh, I don't think we've had like a montage like this other than a, a montage of MacGyver assembling things. Yeah, that's true. Um, but this was like a classical... A full-on Rocky montage. Yeah, yeah. It's like music over everything, him him doing things, and then like... like Incrementally them, getting better at punching. Yeah, yeah. Like they keep looking at his times and going, no. And then they start going, okay. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it reminded me of the South Park. It's a montage. You do a little better the next time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a montage. Uh, so, uh, of course, now, like, it's the day of the fight. Right. And MacGyver is heading out to the ring to, like, get everything prepared because he's going to be in the corner. And uh, that's when Riggins and Bailey, again, once again, walk in the garage. The garage door completely open. Yeah. No one closes it. Um, and... Uh, they just just immediately grab Veronica. Like, they just take her. He's got a gun. And uh, tells him he has to take the dive. So. Uh, and then there's, there's a part here that I actually feel like was a missed opportunity, which is that she should have been disappointed that he was going to take the dive, like MacGyver said she yeah. would have been. Where instead she's just like, oh, wow, you must really care about me. I love you so much. Yeah. It's like. What? Okay, so MacGyver was wrong. I should have just taken the dive? Yeah. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> thanks a lot, MacGyver. Like, it should have been like, oh, Dad, you can't do that. Why would you take a dive? But you're the best fighter. Like, she should have been, like, totally behind him and, like, right up to when she gets taken away so that there's yeah. a lot of tension for him to try and get her back and prove himself. Right, right. 
And, yeah, because it's like, well, because now not only does he have to take the dive, but he probably won't get paid. Right. And and they completely have closure in their relationship in terms of, like, he said, oh, well, you know, the last few days have been the best of my life. And she's like, yeah, for me too, Earl. Yeah. Like, she's, she's like, they've co- totally reconciled their relationship, and it doesn't matter about all the terrible decisions that he's made in this episode. Right. <laughs> like, it should have it should have been, she should have been angry at him when she left. Had MacGyver not intervened, everything yeah. would have been fine. Everything would have been fine. Because uh, it wouldn't end his boxing career if he took a dive. No. I mean, but, yeah, you know, it's how it goes. So, at the fight... Uh, you know, they do the classic uh, coming down then, entering the ring and the introduction. But MacGyver notices that uh, Veronica isn't there. And right. Dent kind of shrugs it off. He's like, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe she's getting a soda or something. Yeah. Um, and But it uh, just seems like, did they, didn't they drive there together? Like, when did MacGyver realize that the girl wasn't there? Like, Well, because MacGyver left on his motorcycle earlier. Oh, uh, okay. And so he, he, he doesn't know that Veronica wasn't in the Jeep when... Uh, Dent arrived. Because it does seem like earlier she just walked the whole way to the gym to return those gloves. Yeah, exactly. And I thought she was going to get kidnapped when she went back to the gym to return the gloves, but then that didn't happen. Nope. <laughs> she just walks back in and she's like, so I returned the gloves, and then the people that were at the gym show up at the house and kidnap her. Yeah. It's like, why didn't this happen at the gym? <laughs> <laughs> or on the way to the gym. Yeah. Come on, I need closure on this plot point. Yeah. Um, What's interesting now, though, uh, is the uh, referee and the uh, radio announcer are both, like, legit referees and yeah. announcers. Marty Denkin is, like, a Hall of Famer referee, which I didn't know referees got into the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so he, he's, like, a legit... Le- and he's also, like, in most of these movies, like, in Rocky movies and things like that, as the referee portion. Um, oh, that's funny. And, and I saw Jim Lampley's credits. Yeah, Jim Lampley, um, who, I mean... He, he, I, I, I'm not familiar with commentators. I mean, I don't watch enough sporting events or things like that. Um, but um, uh, I also, I did see that he was a commentator in most of the Olympics since 2008. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, again, I don't, I don't pay attention to, to those kinds of things. But it was cool that he was in it, you know? Yeah. Um, and he also had credits for playing uh, radio announcer type character or a fight caller in um, The Fighter with Jack mm-hmm. McGee, which we discussed recently, um, Rocky Balboa, and Creed. So yeah. that's a pretty recent title, but he, who, who's, he's who, playing the same kind of character. In. Who's the famous guy who did, who did the Let's Get Ready to Rumble? I don't remember that okay. guy's name. But like, he, Except that he had like way more than his 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. That, that, uh, I mean, he got, a, he got a sitcom out of that, I think, that was called Let's Get Ready to Rumble or something oh, like that. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I just thought those were cool little little tidbits that were in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, we cut to Veronica, who is literally in a cage, suspended above yeah. the ground off a crane. It's like, geez, what? Yeah, it looks like a lobster cage. Yeah, it's like they had a child-sized cage ready to go. Yeah. Um, well, what some, do they you, use? You it? never know when those are going to come in handy. Yeah, I guess. Um, uh, so, but uh, Riggins and Bailey are listening to the fight on the radio. And uh, so in the first round, Dent, of course, takes a lot of hits. Um, but his first hit on Crazy Eddie almost knocks him down, much like the Pikey. Yeah. Um, it's just like, so he realizes that he, he won that Eddie is a wimp and that he, he really has to, like, just not hit him. 
Yeah, um, he's he's not. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why he's not throwing the fight very well. Yeah, because he's just like standing there, like really bad choreography, just pretending to get punched in the face over yeah. and over again. Um. So, fantastic uh, confess, obviously, because MacGyver can see right through everything that's going. That that uh, the bad guys have Veronica, and that they run the bookies out of the machine shop across the street. Um, yeah. Not that that's where she is, but that's the best lead that MacGyver has to run on. Right. It's also the best lead that Dent has that I don't know why he didn't just call the police. Yeah. Yeah. Because he seems to know exactly where his daughter's being held captive by these guys. Like, that's when I would just be like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to do the fight. I'm going to call the police, and then you're going to release my daughter. Yeah. All those things would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, so Mac, and, but MacGyver doesn't even call the police. No, he, he decides he's going to go across the street and rescue her himself. MacGyver is so fickle with the police calling. Like he says, "We should call the police. We shouldn't call the police." It, when when do you do or do not call the police, MacGyver? That's going to be a big issue with tomorrow's episode. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, MacGyver makes his way to the machine shop and climbs up onto the roof, and uh, of course, immediately spots Veronica in her cage and. And she's smart enough to signal him that there are two guys and they're over yeah. there. Um, and so MacGyver climbs in and starts climbing up on the, the, the framework of this giant warehouse. Yeah. Um, he has to hide one time as uh, Bailey, but Bubba Smith's character, comes and kind of takes a look around. Because they, yeah. they seem to check on her at the end of every round. Uh, and she even tells them to turn the radio up. Which they must have done because then from now on they have a hard time hearing what's going on inside the warehouse. Right. Including MacGyver operating heavy machinery to yeah. free her from this cage. But what's nice about it, this, this, having this audio is that we are getting the play-by-play and we are hearing the rounds progress towards the 8th. Um, right. So like when he first enters, it's the 6th. Um, I feel like that's the only reason they asked him to go down in the eighth is so that this third act could be long enough for him to rescue the daughter. Because if if he was supposed to go down in like the third, there would not right. be enough time for this rescue. Uh, so uh, MacGyver gets the cage lowered again. They uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Gorman's character uh, Riggins. So, <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm remembering all his other characters. I was like Tubbs, <laughs> Gorman, no Riggins. Um, he he thinks he hears something, but he shrugs it off. Especially yeah. when he asks Bailey to check it out, and he goes, "Ah, later." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "All right." Um, so, but then I thought what was going to happen was there was going to be an issue where there's a lock on the cage. So I thought, okay. Oh well, yeah, and and he MacGyver gets up close to it, and then they just cut to the guys. Yeah. Inside the room, listening to the round end, and then when they go up to check. The cage is already open, yep. and MacGyver and the girl are just walking away. It's like, wait, that was that was a master lock. <laughs> How yeah. did he get that off of the thing? And and uh, Riggins gives a very unconvincing reaction when he, when uh, Bailey says they're getting away. Well, he goes, well, stop them. <laughs> it's just like yeah, like like this is an annoyance to him. And he just starts shooting at them. Like, yeah. Oh, I didn't. I just realized we could have just killed the girl, and that Dent would have fought the fight anyway. Like, why did we bother holding her hostage yeah. if we were just going to shoot at her? Because afterwards, we'd still have to kill them both, I guess. Yeah. Um. So MacGyver then uses the crane that was holding her up as a shield and starts driving it forward very slowly. Yeah. 
And but it, it's a powerful enough machine that it just plows right through the whole bay of windows yeah. into the room that they're in, but and the roof collapses. But it's also like a very uh, Austin Powers guard on the steamroller. Yeah. It's like it's approaching you so slowly. There's every opportunity to get out of the way, and yet they're still getting knocked over by it. Yeah, and it's uh, like MacGyver on that uh, the parasailing. Thing, yeah. when he goes and scoops the guy up with his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, back at the fight in the eighth round, Dent chooses his moment to get knocked down, and uh, the count starts. But we hear, we barely hear uh, Veronica's voice calling, telling him to get up. Um, and he says, "You can get up. You can get up. You can win. It's okay. I'm safe." Um, and he gets up on the nine count, uh, which is like, yeah. he gets because you have to be totally up on your feet they can still count you out even if you even if you're standing up until you're totally yeah, if you're like half getting up yeah. yeah uh so then then proceeds to just wail on crazy eddie um and right. even knocks him to the ground but before but not knocking him out yeah but because before the count can be completed uh the the bell rings for the end of the eighth yeah he's saved by the bell when i wake up in the morning anyway <laughs> <laughs> thought I'd never make it on time uh, so uh, they start tallying up the scores which of course are going to be in Crazy Eddie's favor because he's the one who laid all he's the contacts he's won every round so far yeah he, he's the one who has hit every made it, made all the contacts um, despite the fact that he got knocked down and was probably going to be out yeah uh, but for a huge wrestling fan, Veronica seems to have no idea how boxing matches are scored because she thinks that he won. Yeah. Like, oh. But I guess she only saw the one round anyway. That's true, yeah. But she could hear it. She could hear the fight. That's true, yeah. Yeah. They, could, they did the right thing. They called the fight for Crazy Eddie. Yeah. Um, so the uh, fifth act roundup is uh, Dent kind of just walking the ring afterwards. Um and Veronica kind of comes in, and they said that, well, we'll figure out something else to do without the money. And Dent is kind of like, maybe you're better with your foster parents after all, because I'm washed up, yeah. you know. Um, but that's when uh, MacGyver heads in with Herman the German. Um, right. We didn't mention that during the whole fight, Stinson and Herman the German are like... Uh, Sitting ringside. Yes, Stinson is 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 rooting for crazy uh, crazy Eddie, but Herman the German is rooting for Dent. Um, right, because I don't think Herman the German had any money in it. He's just there yeah. because he liked the guy. And so Herman tells him that uh, you know you really worked the crowd well, like you knew how to you know how to do a good performance, and I think you could make it in the wrestling circuit. Um, and he yeah. offers to to be his manager in the in our, in professional wrestling. And he's already got the nickname Rocket Man. Yeah. Uh, and, he's, and best of all, in addition to uh, having a steady job, he also gets a $30,000 advance uh, yeah. upfront payment. So, and of course, uh, Ronnie accepts the, the offer on his behalf. Uh-huh. She's just like, yes, he'll take it. He'll yes, it. please. Um, and, uh, and that's where we ended. Uh, we ended on this high yeah. note. Um, I, I mean, I know you have to have a happy ending, but but I yeah. feel like Herman the German's involvement was very just like, oh, I really like how you lost a boxing match. 
Yeah. And like how you worked the crowd. It's like he didn't really. Here's work. the thirty thousand yeah. dollars for that fight you lost. Um. Plus, like, like the whole joke running joke is that he's too old. You know. Yeah. Um. And if Herman the German is a professional wrestler, and is at this age no longer wrestling and managing. Yeah. Like he he uh, Dent seems like he's way older than Herman the German. Uh, yeah, that's true. So I wasn't quite sure what was happening here. I know we don't know technically how old Earl Dent is supposed to be, um, other yeah. than old enough to have had a 14-year-old daughter um, and be a legitimate biker at some point. Anyway, it it's a shoehorned in there. I know you got to have the happy ending. but I thought what would have been a funny happy ending would have been if in the eighth round... Uh, while Dent was fighting, he was like, "Oh, my daughter's safe. I can, I can beat this guy." And then he like starts wailing on him, and then like accidentally punches himself, or somehow like falls over and knocks himself out. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just he ends up accidentally going down in the eighth, oh. and so he gets the money after all. <laughs> and that's like the end of the fight. Yeah, they they still honor the agreement. Uh, the bad yeah. guys, the kidnappers. Like, oh, he did what he was supposed to do. Here's your money. Yeah, it's like, did did they go to jail? Like. I hate when they don't, they don't give you that information. No, they just died in that building collapse. Yeah, because like in Deadly Silence, when when those two guys got knocked out, did they go to jail? I guess <laughs> we don't mention it, but I guess we just assume yeah. if MacGyver yeah. knocks you out in the last act, you're probably going to jail, <laughs> or you're dead, depending on whether you wake up. Yeah. <laughs> you, but yeah, if you that's... if you wake up as a vegetable, you still wake up, and I didn't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a fun episode. Yeah. I think uh, it explores the Dent character more, and he's a fun character. And this is our last Dent episode, right? Yeah, this is the last one. There's only four episodes left, so Ooh, my goodness. there wasn't a lot of room for him to come back. Well, at least I know we get a Jack episode in the next four. Yeah, the last one of the four. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, um, I, mean, I think that's about it for this episode. Yeah, I mean, we, we made a lot of good commentary throughout, and it's it's... It's a, do you like this episode? I do. Uh-oh. Then I hate it. <laughs> Split decision. Split decision. <laughs> <laughs> that name, that title never comes into it. <laughs> Not at all. I, I thought it was um, going to be a spoiler. I was going to be like, oh, spoilers. Split yeah, decision. why would they tell you right at the beginning that the fight is going to end in a split decision? Oh, no, it doesn't. It's well, just crazy Eddie wins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, but yeah. That was the less interesting title for the episode, Crazy Eddie Wins the Fight. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Eddie wins the fight at the end, but <laughs> Earl Dent gets money from Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. That was the whole title. It's like, can we trim this down to maybe <laughs> split decision? <laughs> what? Oh, we could call it Crazy Ed. No, it should be Eddie. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share on split decision, you should find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week when we cover... Tune in tomorrow. (laughs) I'm so used to saying next week. Tune in tomorrow when we cover Season 7, Episode 11, Guns and Boys. Guns and Boys. two Zs. Guns and Boys. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, definitely... A Boys in the Hood influenced episode. Yeah, yeah. But, except without Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, and lots of Chips references. Yeah, and a lot of people that we've seen before. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into that. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.